0: Welcome to Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national stories focusing on news, politics, and current events. Now, the latest edition of Update
1: One. This edition of Update One, we'll be talking to a career educator in media literacy, Belina Debru, a member of the Leadership Council of the National Association for Media Literacy Education, as well as other organizations in the field here and worldwide. I'm Irv Chapman, a longtime member of the National Press Club. Dr. Debru, teaching people how to glean the facts and screen out the exaggeration, bias, misinformation from their sources of news must involve different tactics for different audiences and age groups. I understand the American Library Association has been developing media literacy programs largely aimed at adults. Can you tell us about that?
0: Sure. So at this point, the American Library Association has been looking at how to get media literacy taught to adults in libraries across the country. And so in the past year, they put together A grant that was done in conjunction with the Knight Foundation, the Democracy Fund, and the News Literacy Project in order to communicate to their public, their public being in the libraries themselves, about how to look critically at the news, how to look at the media critically.
1: And what does that entail?
0: I think it entails really asking people to look at themselves and look at their own biases and then looking to see multiple perspectives to find balance in what they're actually taking on as news, whether it's newspapers, radio, television, to be able to see that there is much more going on. Um, certainly, we tend to look at the news on a surface level, and I think there's much more that needs to happen beyond that. And, and the looking you know, libraries, at
1: it, are do, they're doing this in public libraries around the country?
0: I think they're beginning to look at this in public libraries because it's a great way to communicate with the public. And certainly in schools, this is another big venue. And library service, young adults, adults, children, and so forth. So it's a, it's a great opening of a door to the public that normally was not open. Well,
1: there's been a lot of focus on uh, Facebook among social media mm-hmm. since it admitted to being a source Of much information in the run-up to the 2016 election, and Facebook has just recently taken down a whole bunch of sites uh, that uh, were being aimed from Russia, places in Europe. Now, here in this country, is Facebook growing or fading as a prime source of information for young people?
0: I think for young people, it's definitely on the fading side. It tends to be, I think, what I would talk to my students about would be it's their parents' social network. It's not the area in which they're in, or it's certainly not the way they want to be in. Uh, they tend to be Instagrammers and Snapchatters. They use Twitter, but Facebook itself is something that consider, frankly, old. Um, it's not reaching their age group, and it's certainly not reaching their friends because they're not on it as well, but their parents are, and well, their grandparents.
1: What can be done to reach them on the media that they now favor
0: Well, I think actually that takes us back to schools and where I think media literacy needs to be happening. In school libraries, certainly looking at um, instruction in in civics areas. Um, Every day they're on. They're on, whether it's on their phone, whether they're texting, whether they are listening to programs, so they're receiving a lot of media. They're not being asked to discern it or to question it very often. And I think the one place that we know that they can do that is actually in schools when there's an opportunity where there are teachable moments, which happen quite daily with the news today, um, and actually asking them to think about how the messages are being received and perceived and certainly looking at the idea of bias as well.
1: Well, it's been suggested that the best way to teach young people how to interpret the media they use is to teach them to be amateur journalists, how to ask questions, challenge assertions, write what they learn truthfully and interestingly. What's your take on that?
0: It's not a bad idea. They're producers anyway of media. They definitely take on media content and reproduce it. That's why YouTube is a huge part of their lives. And I think teaching them to be citizen journalists, student journalists, is a great way to get them involved in a different way. And certainly I think it takes the news into a more personal level for them if they can actually communicate things that are stories of interest to
1: them. Well, what other ways uh, would you address the people of that generation?
0: Well, they have so many opportunities on their social network sites that um, really adults aren't on with them. And I think there's opportunities to take those places and perhaps give them a different lens to how they actually translate their messages, how they talk to each other. Um, One of the things that certainly happens is this look at digital citizenship and how they talk to each other, how they engage with each other. I think that's another avenue within media literacy that we look at because it's incredibly important. Um, And they are in those spaces. And so I think we have to look in those spaces to see how we can communicate with them.
1: What does digital citizenship mean?
0: Well, it's really about who you are online, knowing your digital footprint, being able to see your path within that area and making sure that the information you're providing is safe and that's certainly something that you really have to get students to think about because giving away their privacy is very easy. They don't think about the check boxes that they acknowledge when they um, go through a particular app or a program. So it's really looking above that and saying, you know, where is my data going and who's collecting it? And that's an awareness piece, and that actually is a lesson that needs to be taught to them because it's not quite so readily thought of by them in their own generation.
1: Well, people both young and old have been relaying to their friends information or websites or memes or what have you uh, that are out of whole cloth. And we saw just the other day uh, that the posts about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg being a death's door uh, on social media all over the place, uh, they don't seem to to know what to do with that kind of misinformation. Uh, People just look at it and say, geez, I didn't know that. And they just relay it. Uh, What do you do about that?
0: Well, I think that's part of the problem right now. We have people who want to believe what they believe and they want to believe what they see. And when it looks like it's an interesting piece of information, sharing it just seems like the next step. And I think really it's that it's the stepping back and saying, you know, is this true? How do we get people to really look beyond the superficial? do some research, find out whether or not this is actually valid information, talking to someone or even looking at various news sources. I don't think we do that well enough. We tend to be people who stick to one particular newspaper, one particular news station, one particular news source, Um, and online that's so much easier to come to you because it's being incorporated into the actual algorithms of wherever you are and where you're searching information. Um, And that's part of, I think, looking back and saying, you know, is this a possibility? Is Ruth Bader actually alive? Is she dying? How do we know and how can we verify that information?
1: Well, how do you teach media literacy to kids who are just learning to read and uh, they've been already spending hours a day on a smartphone?
0: I think that's actually a part of the discussion about screen time. How do we actually balance that with the rest of the diet of the rest of the media resources that they have available to them? It's baby steps. It's the everyday interactions between themselves and their friends. I mean, certainly information doesn't just get passed inappropriately online. It gets passed along face to face. That's part of the beginnings of you know how people are um, sharing information, whether good or bad. So I think it's the small steps that lead into what happens where they're on the technology and actually showing the transition of that so they understand. Like, you know, behind a computer screen, it's easier to hide from people. It's easier to Misrepresent yourself. It's easier to bully someone. It's easier to say things that you would normally not say in person. And I think those are part of the digital citizenship component, the social skills component that needs to still be taught.
1: You remind me of the old New Yorker cartoon that uh, on the Internet... Nobody knows if you're a dog on you know, the picture of right. a dog sitting before a computer. <laughs> sure. what, what do you think journalists can do to persuade the public at large that they are presenting valid, vetted information, that their work should be sought out in preference to invented junk?
0: Um, I think that's a <laughs> it's a really good question, but I think it's a hard question because first you have to get people to read what you're writing, and that's the first step. And then Because people have already their innate biases already about certain newspapers, um, it's really getting them to read beyond the text to see that there is much more information there, and then being able to validate it and verify it. So I think it's a, a couple of steps in the component. Right now when I talk to young adults, they're not really looking at newspapers the same way that adults have looked at newspapers. They're using aggregators and curators of information, things like the Skim, which provide them with very specific, small details of information where then they have to take the next step and click on a link to get them the information that they want. So a part of it is really that the person needs to want to engage with the news and then actually follow through to find the information.
1: Once upon a time, we studied current events and civics at uh, very early grade levels. That doesn't right. seem to be happening anymore.
0: It's um, it's an interesting problem we're having right now because it's we're spending a lot of time looking at standardized testing and what things are being tested tend to be math and English, and that's fine. But there are lots of other components to this. And the critical thinking isn't on a standardized test. It is a skill, and it's a skill that needs to be taught and taught well. And it used to come from social studies classes and history classes, which are incredibly important. Um, And that's where I think, you know, we really need to do a better job focusing on for all of our students. It's part of whether or not our citizenship in the next election will be involved whether our young adults will be participating Um, certainly you know our adults do that do we have the adult population that's actually the young adult population that's going to do that and that's incredibly important so it needs to be there.
1: Are news media do you think on the right track when they expand their fact-checking staffs and the space they assign to fact-checking and should they rebut false assertions within the story that reports the assertions?
0: Uh, I think that it's a place. I think it's important right now. I think certainly it. we are at a time right now where everything is getting questioned. So I think the fact checker piece is incredibly important. I think we can't not have that. It isn't like fake news hasn't been around prior to the discussion that's been happening in the last couple of years. It has been around for quite a long time. We just seem to see it highlighted so much more now prevalently. So having the fact checkers, I think, is incredibly important. But I think also the reality is, is that every news station has their fact checkers. And somehow in the midst of fact checking, we still encounter bias within that. Um, So it's an important thing to highlight, but I think it's also about getting people to know that there are multiple sources of information and they actually have to go in that direction to get to the accurate piece of information.
1: So you're saying the fact checkers are not trusted by people who believed uh, the guys who told the fibs.
0: I think that's partly true. Um, Some of this is innate. You know, some of this is a part of you know perception, personal belief systems. There's so many other components involved in that that I don't think we actually ever had a discussion about prior to this. So we're highlighting actually a time when we really need to look at all of those pieces and actually teaching people that there are more than one perspective. There is another side to the story and that we need to listen to that side as well. It isn't easy, and certainly, you know, with the program that the ALA has put forth, it's something that I know that they encountered as well. You need to make sure you provide balanced information for people so that people aren't walking into a room thinking that they are marginalized or they are not being represented by the media or by the messages being sent to them.
1: ALA being the American Library Association that we started out talking about. What, what obligation, in your view, does Facebook and other social media have to act like news media with editors who screen out information that doesn't have appropriate sourcing?
0: Well, I think it's an interesting question to ask because I don't think that Facebook ever thought they were, that, they were in that job. Actually, they don't. I think they thought they were just in the job of bringing people together and socializing. So the problem has been that now news media is part of the social network stream. They're participating in it. They're putting information out there. So we can't get away from it. And now that we're doing this component of sharing information in this way, we've just highlighted it even more. So I do think that Facebook has to come up with some way to maybe vet sources or um, certainly participate in the conversation that that we're all having on media literacy and fake news. I don't think you can step away from it and not see that the social networks are a part of the whole equation.
1: And yet writ large, the number of reporters hired by news media are half what they were at peak. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, Facebook is and the others are only now getting into the business of maybe hiring reporters and editors uh, to take a hand in preventing such things as happening uh, in uh, in India where social media uh, were declared a major source uh, for a report just the other day uh, on the persecution of minority religions. That the Hindu Nationalist Party is being accused of persecuting Christians and social media leading to such Persecution, And again, here you have social media in the middle of it.
0: Well, I think, look, here's the thing. I mean, social media will tell you that they were never in the business of journalism in the first place. You know, and if that's if this is the end result of the fact that they've created a monster of, you know, Information and algorithms and data and advertising—all of that is part of the media, and that is the reality of what they're doing. It's a business now, so if they're hiring journalists, then they're hiring journalists. But that wasn't what they were hiring before. So, you know, we're looking at this very differently now. It's an, it's another look at another world, and certainly putting journalists in the middle of that will bring it to another level.
1: On this edition of Update One, we've been talking to a career educator in media literacy. Dr. Bolina de Abreu, a member of the Leadership Council of the National Association for Media Literacy Education. Dr. Abreu spoke to us from Sacred Heart University in Fairfield, Connecticut. I'm Irv Chapman at the National Press Club in Washington. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Abreu. Thank you.
0: You have been listening to Update One, a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Committee. You can comment on this show or any episode of Update One by going to facebook.com pressclubdc or on Twitter at pressclubdc. Thanks for listening to Update One.